When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness with Moses, we hear about how they complained. You may have noticed the word complain or complaining was used seven times in those 14 verses of the Old Testament reading. In the uh, King James Version, which some of you may remember fondly and be familiar with, the word is murmuring. They murmured, and then they murmured again, and then God talks about how they murmured and addresses what they murmured about. It's uh, many, many years ago when this happened, and yet very relatable. <laughs> and what was it that they were murmuring about? Well, they had just escaped the Egyptians. They had gone through the Red Sea when the Lord parted the waters for them, had saved them, and yet now, even after seeing that, they're hungry, and they are anxious. They're still getting to know who is this Lord that they're following, and can they trust him? Apparently, he can save them from Egyptians, but can he provide for them the nourishment that they need to live? And so when they complain, then the Lord gives an answer, and he says, here's what I will do. I will rain down like dew upon the earth, um, a covering that then in the morning you can collect up a flaky substance, which will be your bread, your daily bread that will sustain you. And the day before the Sabbath, when you're to do no work, you'll get two portions. So on the Sabbath day, you will not have to work. Interesting detail is that they couldn't collect more and sto store it, they had to take what they needed for the day and use that for their nourishment. And their relationship with God takes a big step forward here. Trust begins to grow. But if you know the story, you know that pretty soon they're going to be murmuring again. They get bored with the bread. But that's a story for another day. A story that is both very incredible and very, very relatable. Well, over a thousand years, more than a thousand years after that, Jesus tells a parable in one of his teachings about a landowner who hires laborers to work in a vineyard. First, the landowner hires laborers early in the morning, and their plan is to work throughout the day and be paid for a regular day's, uh, day's work, day's wages. But then he goes and he hires some more workers at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3, and then 5 o'clock. And they all go out into the field and work different amounts of time. And everything's fine until the point where he has his manager handing out the daily wage to everybody. And the, the, the last people to go into the field are the first to get paid, and they get the full wage for a whole day, at which point... The others, especially those who started in the beginning, expect, they're, well, they're going to get more, of course. And when they get paid only what it was that they had agreed to be paid, they're so upset. Again, there's complaining. In, in this translation, the word's grumbling. The landowner gave everybody what they would need, though, to be sustained for a day. You can look at it as what Jesus is teaching is the, the kind of gift that we get from God is one that is of infinite value. To receive grace, to receive forgiveness, you can't get a double portion of it. You can't get a triple portion of it. It is complete. 
and it is enough. And we human beings have this unfortunate habit sometimes of taking our eyes away from what matters most, usually in a state of anxiety, and seeing only things that we perceive as missing to the point where we don't see what is right in front of our faces. In God's nature, maybe our human nature is to be a grumbler or a murmur. Well, God's nature is to be a giver. It's an important theological concept. God creates and God gives, period. And what God creates, we are told and we come to experience, is good. And we, our part, we are meant to be receivers. But there's a little more to how this works. There's a book called Free of Charge written by the professor and theologian Miroslav Volf. And in his book, Free of Charge, he talks about two misconceptions about the way that God is a giver and that, that, that we are in relationship with that giving. He says, the first misconception that people often fall into is the idea that there's some negotiation involved. Just think about if you've let that creep into your thinking about God ever, where if you're good, then God will reward you. And sometimes in prayer, people might even really bargain with God and say, well, I really want this thing. I promise I will always do something pleasing to you going forward if you just give me whatever this thing is. But God doesn't work like that. And we are not to negotiate with God. God is a giver, period. Well, the other false view that Miroslav Wolf talks about is to see God as a giver like Santa Claus. Santa Claus who just gives and gives, but there's actually no real relationship. And there's no demand upon the one receiving. But when God gives to us, there is a real relationship, and there is a demand upon the recipient. What is the demand? It's two things. First, to receive, to receive with gratitude. And likewise, the other demand is that we then learn to become givers ourselves. This is a reminder that we were created in God's image in this ancient concept of living into God's image, imago Dei, is for us, like God, to also be givers ourselves. And when you truly do receive, receiving with gratitude, you can't help but become generous too. Now there are many practices that we can choose to use in our lives of faith as Christians. There's, of course, regular prayer, there's gathering in community, studying scripture and theology, there's also the practice of giving, of generosity. It's an ancient practice that has been upheld um, since the earliest days, since before the church, in fact. And in most churches these days, probably all churches, what this church does, and pretty much all churches do, is we offer things that are free. It's free of charge to all. Um, it wasn't that way. In the, when St. John's was created in 1816, and for many generations after, until I think it was in the early 60s when John Harper came and he ended this practice, um, you, when you came to church, had to pay rent. You had to rent your pew. Um, originally, they were boxes instead of pews. In 1842, those boxes were replaced by the pews you're sitting in. But you couldn't just sit anywhere. You had to rent your pew, and the more expensive real estate was up front. So these guys are the, you know, 
<laughs> and uh, the, the cheaper seats were in the back and somewhere in the middle. The president's pew, by the way, is right in the middle because the idea was when Madison came, um, he was given a pew that he could use any time and every pre president following got that privilege without having to pay, free of charge. Um, <laughs> They were put in the middle of the room because when the president was at prayer, they were a person among people. And that still is what we try to hold to even now, which is a good thing. But those days are gone. Now we are free of charge. Now when you come, when you take advantage of anything that the church offers, they're open, these things are open to all people. And it's an important thing, especially here at St. John's, where we are blessed to be in the middle of a very vibrant part of the city with many people who come and go, and many of you, I'm sure, are visiting from out of town, in fact. But we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the gifts, the generosity of many people who have intentionally given to make sure that we have enough from year to year. In fact, for this year, uh, 2023, there are about 340 individuals and households who've chosen to make a gift to our annual fund who pledged that gift before the start of this year, mostly. And what that does is it allows us to know what we can budget for the year to come. Giving by plate is wonderful, so is giving by QR code with the PayPal app that we're now linking. But when you make a pledge, then we know what we can budget for every year that we have. In a meeting, a few weeks ago, uh, somebody commented that, you know, it's been rough. We, we've had some hard times, well, turbulent times, dramatic times where we have had to be agile and turn ourselves inside out in some ways. But now we are back to a place where things have settled down and we can focus on our mission and ministry and being joyfully regathered together, which is great. And the person actually said something sort of kind uh, to me or about me saying, you know, poor Rob, you know, he came just before the world was about to get turned upside down. And uh, other people said, oh yeah, it was hard. But then one of the other people in the meeting said, you know, that's maybe not the best way of thinking about it, really. Maybe Rob came at just the right time when things were about to change because now we get to live into this time which is a rebirth. And I loved hearing that phrase. It was like a little light going off because when I look around St. John's, we both are connected to our past totally, and yet also being made new. We have a phrase that is in one of the bits of language that was written actually before the pandemic, before I came, describing us as a renewed church in a changing world. I think that's even more true now than it was when those words were first put down. And it's an exciting time. We have a fantastic collection of staff that work and give all of themselves to the ministry of this place. And it's thanks to the gifts of people that we are able to employ them and keep the lights on. And my vision for here is that we continue to live into this calling to be a church that is here for the whole city. All who come, all who gather, we're actually, now that we are focusing on it and able to, excitedly, we're seeing more and more, almost every day, ways that Figuratively, as well as literally, we can open our doors. Now, I'll give you one little hint of something that we're starting to brew. It's in the early stages. It's a dream that I have had that we would have throughout the week 
a bookstore and a cafe. A well-run bookstore and cafe, and could you imagine what a gift that would be, that people could come in and be nourished in mind and spirit with good books about theology and God, as well as we could throw in some books about history in our city as we go. Um, There's so many good things we could put into the hands of those who come our way, and then also give them a chance to enjoy a cup of tea or coffee while they have conversation and have a meeting place here where relationships can grow, parishioners and non-parishioners and anybody. Um, this could happen, it's not gonna happen overnight. It will take effort, talent, dedication, and also resources. But I believe it, it can be in our future, along with many other wonderful things that might come our way. We are blessed to be a church to whom many opportunities do come and always have for ever since we have come into existence. And so I wanna say, if you've never pledged before to St. John's, I urge you to do so, to begin doing so now as a practice. Because while giving in the plate is wonderful, pledging has an intentionality that takes it to another level. And if you have pledged in the past, and maybe you've even pledged the same amount for many, many years in a row, I urge you now to consider raising your pledge. And you can look at it like a percentage. You know, we know the percentage that cost of living goes up every year. Um, think about what percentage you might challenge yourself to raise your pledge from last year's pledge to this year's pledge. We intend with our many staff to make sure they get a cost of living increase. And so you can have that in mind as you consider. I know not everybody can, but if you can, it will make an important difference. You know, at the 745 service, we have a phrase that we say every Sunday. We, we don't say it at the 9 and 11 because we're too busy singing at the time, but it's when the plates come up, we have a phrase, and I bet some of you know it, so repeat it with me if you can. Say, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. All things come of thee. All things come from God. Every blessing in all of our lives has an origin that is God. And of that origin, we give back. And that leads me to the idea of giving a percentage. This is, um, goes back as far as Abraham, the idea of thinking of a percentage of what blessings have come in material to your life and choosing that percentage that you're going to give back. The classic being 10% the tithe. And I know there are people here who do give 10%. And that's not a small thing to do. And I will share, I think, in my household, when we make our pledge, my wife Sarah and I, we think about a percentage. We're not quite at 10%, but every year we raise our pledge to get closer to it, and it feels good to be intentional about it. It feels good every month when I write the check and put it in the envelope and submit it, to know that I'm giving back to the one who gave. And the pledges that we receive span a big variety. They range from $25 annual to $45,000 annually, and everything in between. Every pledge, no matter the size, is a sacred thing, and we treat it as an act of grace. You know, um, one thing about gifts and giving and the nature of God is by giving you change things and by giving God changes things. 
Miroslav Wolf, again, that professor that I mentioned, he talks about how if you see a gift store and you see trinkets on a shelf, those aren't gifts. They don't become gifts until somebody gives them. It's in the giving that a gift becomes a gift. And so when we give, whatever amount that is, we make that transformed. And so every, every pledge is taken very, very seriously. And I want to share with you one thing that probably almost none of you know. We actually get a pledge from one individual. And this is just one story out of many touching stories. We get a pledge from one individual who I'm pretty sure has never been to St. John's, but whose life has been touched by our ministry. This person is incarcerated in another state far from here. I'm not sure if he's able to tune in uh, on Sundays or not, and I hope he can, and if so, I, I'm waving to you, and I look forward to meeting you someday, um, but faithfully, he makes a pledge and pays it every year. It's not about the dollar amount. That is one of the most incredible gifts of grace that we do get, and so when you're pledging, you're joining people like him. Now, um, I think it's important to be really transparent about, you know, the, the totals, the numbers, where we're at, um, St. John's, we are a, a robust place in our budget. We are fortunate to have a budget that is a little over $2 million to do all that we do. Now, we're blessed to have these incredible buildings that are works of art, but they're old, and it's expensive to maintain them. And we're in a part of town that's very expensive in which to exist. Um, but fortunately, we have the gift of generations that have come before who have made it so that we have an endowment. And so our endowment... Um, is able to give us a draw, and every year that is about 850, 900,000 ish. But remember that too is gift from people, people who worshipped in those same pews that you're sitting in, who have come before us all, and makes our burden a little bit lighter. Now our part for this year, our goal was to hit 1,125,000. We almost hit it. Um, as of right now, we're at 1,118,000, just 7,000 short. Maybe we'll get there by the end of the year, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but happily, we have enough that we're just barely uh, projecting to end the year in the black, just right on the line, which is good. But as we look to the next year, um, with the increases in salaries and other anticipated expenses going up, um, and also... Um, at the same time as we are cutting expenses wherever we can and bringing in new revenue, which is actually exciting, we still are anticipating that we may have a shortfall of 150000 unless pledging were to increase in some way. We would have to do more cutting to try to make up for that. And so, like every year, it matters that, that we dig deep and that we think about ways that we can challenge ourselves um, to give more than maybe we have in the past to know that giving is uh, something that is actually a gift to us to be able to do so. And not that it's a competition, but uh, I do know some other churches, and uh, I know a couple churches you know, fairly well, one that is here and one that is far away, vibrant, active, healthy churches like St. John's, uh, but they have less than half the number of pledges that St. John's has. And yet, what they pledge, the total amount is about 80% of the total that we pledge, which shows me that you know, we, it's not a competition, but I think we could probably do a little bit better 
collectively all together. And the only way we're going to do it is collectively all together. Well, I'm going to close with one more um, little a story, an anecdote. A time from my life where I remember being in a place where there was perceived scarcity, but actual abundance. Um, it was when I was in my early 20s and still in seminary in that first summer after the first year of seminary where they throw you into hospital and you were supposed to learn how to be a hospital chaplain and most of us were pretty terrified. And we were expecting to go into the hospital rooms and you couldn't even imagine what sort of situations you were gonna walk into and have to somehow be present for. And I was imagining there were no words that I would have. I felt totally ill-equipped. But our wise supervisor told us not to think of it like that, to remember to open our hands, to open our hearts. And that if we did, we, we wouldn't necessarily focus on any cure for the ills of this person, but we could focus on the care. And if we did that, God would be present too. Abundance would be present. God is a giver of holy things and wants us to be also. And while it is simple, it isn't always easy. But when we learn to receive, when we learn to receive, we learn to give. And when we learn to give, we learn to receive. Amen.